Hello and welcome to the Cannon Cast, a Blue Jackets podcast from the Fans for Sports Network, brought to you by your friends at the Cannon. Go to jacketscannon.com to talk with other Columbus Blue Jackets fans all around the internet. I'm your host, PD. I'm joined today by Dale. We're recording on our Memorial Day afternoon off. Much love to everyone here on this long weekend, and we think about those who have served the country and paid the ultimate price. So um, thank you for their for their sacrifice. We remember that uh, on this weekend. Uh, on to the thing that we've been talking about for weeks now. Feels like months, feels like eons. The Blue Jackets coaching search. I keep saying that we'll be able to talk about the actual news the next week, and yet again, we still... Do not have a head coach. It's arguable whether we had a head coach this last season anyway. <laughs> but uh, finally now, again, Aaron Portsline reporting again. He thinks it is going to be this week that maybe they'll make their final decision. But there's lots of speculation as to why it has taken so long, why it might take a little longer. Uh, boy, I, I don't even know where to start with this, Dale. What... Uh, First of all, what's just your vibe check on this coaching surge? What's so funny about it is that, you know, Yarmo is known for keeping a tight lid on things and he, mm-hmm. he doesn't talk about much at all. If you remember back to the draft last year, um, Bob McKenzie was on Twitter and he called out every single draft pick before it happened. Mm-hmm. And the very first one that he did not reveal before was the Blue Jackets. Mm. Um, so Elliot Friedman, I believe, was on 31 Thoughts, um, you know, either yesterday or just today. He said that he didn't really have much of an idea of which way it was going to go or, or what the um, the progress was. So it's just funny to me that that Yarmo has kept that reputation. Um, yeah. And there doesn't seem to be anybody that has a good, um, you know, inside uh, track on what could what could potentially be happening this week. Yeah, like the national guys don't have it. You know, Larry, Larry Brooks had some ideas about it, which is like, again, why is a Rangers reporter in on it? But yeah, the the local media seems to not quite have a beat on it. Um, you know, Brian Hedger had an interesting thread on Twitter where he was speculating that the Jackets maybe would be content waiting for Quenville. You know, and I had talked about that last week where I thought the timeline of waiting until after the playoffs to hire him was not going to work. Um, how do you, how do you feel? Do you think that that's a possibility here or do you still think that that is very unlikely to happen? Yeah, I think that's very unlikely. Um, I think Portsline mentioned that in his article yesterday on the athletic. Um, and I think it just came out here just a little bit, you know, sooner or earlier than we were reporting this podcast today, um, that a decision is likely to be made this week. Um, so that would definitely lean towards Quinville not not being an option, which is a great thing in my mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, so you know, one candidate that is still in the mix now, Andrew Burnett, who we've talked about before. It's good to know that he has been interviewed. So I don't know if the Jackets will get him, but that is certainly a candidate that I would be uh, wanting to get. Uh, I'd be most excited about. Um, but let's talk about some names, and we've talked about. Vincent before we've talked about Laviolette. Now I, I want to say one more thing about Vincent. And again, like I said last week, if he were going to be the guy, he would be hired by now. Right. I, I don't know. You know, maybe it, it's possible that they kind of 
are underwhelmed mm-hmm. by some of the other people that they interview. I would say the longer it's gone on, the less likely yeah. Vincent is for sure. But I don't I don't think I'm willing to completely rule it out. I also think that he could be the fallback option if because you know none of the other jobs have been filled and some of these candidates are in contention for multiple jobs. Mm-hmm. So it's possible that we could just lose out like you know laviolette could go to the rangers instead because they'll pay more money and so then vincent is the fallback and you know garma will probably feed us stuff about how oh well, this is our number one pick all along you know yeah. it's not just because we whiffed on everyone else but anyway moving there's on also, there's also yeah. a chance that it could be on vincent right um a small mm. chance because there's there's certainly a possibility that he's interviewing for some of the um open head coaching positions around the league that wouldn't well, surprise me at all especially yeah, like that, anaheim that's interesting yeah i don't know i haven't seen any reporting that he had been that he had been interviewed elsewhere i know that because i believe that because he's under contract that he would have we'd have to give permission for him to be interviewed for other jobs and again i don't know if the jackets would be as willing to do that if he were their fallback or if he were one of their legitimate candidates i don't know that's so uh, that that is possibility though uh but some new names that have been finally confirmed to have been interviewed and have come up uh first one is kirk muller who is a longtime player have, has three years of nhl head coaching experience uh, with carolina that was about 10 years ago um since then he's been an assistant in st louis montreal calgary so he was on the montreal staff when they had their surprise run in the bubble and then their run to the final of the next season in that sort of weird season coming out of the Canada division. Uh, and then he was part of the Calgary staff the last two seasons. So that includes the year where Johnny Gaudreau had his best season ever. So how do you feel about Mueller as a candidate? I don't know much about Mueller. And, and to be honest, you know, I kind of put him in the same category personally for myself as a Vincent, because, hmm. um, I would be kind of underwhelmed. I wouldn't be upset about it. Yeah. Um, I do like the Calgary connection. Sure. Um, I like the fact that he played for, um, let's see, I didn't bring up the right stats here, but um, I mean, he played in a lot of he NHL games, a lot, yeah. but he played in a lot of NHL games. I believe he was a center. Um, there's a lot of experience there. And I think that you, you have to like that. Now you can go back and you can say, you know, he didn't really do much as a head coach in the NHL. Right. Um, you know, three years in, in uh, Carolina, um, you know, no playoffs. Um, and the teams were never really that good. Um, so, you know, there's, there's nothing there that screams, Oh, you know, this is, this would be a great hire. Um, but you understand, you know, I, I would say that you, you PD, right. You, you're wanting somebody that has, NHL coaching experience. Yeah. Um, so how do you feel about a, a Mueller versus a, a Vincent? So, uh, yeah, his previous experience as a head coach does, is not encouraging, but it is long enough ago that he certainly could have learned and improved since then. One question I would have would be, why has he not gotten another head coaching job sooner? Was that his choice or was there not interest in him prior to that? Um, I do like that 
um, as opposed to Larson and as opposed to Vincent, his pro coaching experience has been in a number of different organizations and under a lot of different kinds of head coaches. So he has, he should have learned a lot from a lot of different styles and ways to do things and ways not to do things. Um, to my point last week of, you know, a coach who was a good player uh, is more enticing to me. Um, you know, he's, he has a 70 point season on his record, I believe, and some, you know, 20 goal plus goal seasons. Um, so that's encouraging. But then the fact that he coached under Daryl Sutter, who, you know, preaches a physical style and a very disciplined style. So if he can combine all of those influences effectively, I think I see that as the appeal, um, even if it's not the sort of recent kind of success that I'd love to see from a guy like Brunette. Um, similar is uh, Travis Green, who his time as a head coach was with the Canucks, and they had one deep run in the bubble. But since then, they were the kind of team that like maybe should have been better than they were, but just never quite got over the hump. And, you know, they got a lot better after he was fired midseason for Bruce Boudreaux. So that Travis Green's another one that doesn't really excite me that much. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Um, you know, his track record is a little bit better than Mueller. Um but and more would, yeah. Yeah, I would agree with all those all those things. I, I don't I don't see either of those guys in my mind sticking out over the mm-hmm. other one. Um, and I would be interested to know from the club, you know, why these two guys. Um, but, you know, it's certainly possible that um, there's other names in the mix that just haven't been talked about or leaked. You know, maybe these guys are further down the list. That we don't really we don't really know. Um, you know, in my mind, um, I would think that they could do better. Yeah. And I, you know, I have no problem with these guys being on the list. Like I'm good with talk to as many candidates as you can throw a wide net. There's really no reason not to. And as you said, yeah, I was looking for someone with NHL head coaching experience. These guys do have that. So certainly that at least merits them getting considered. Now, whether they're the best option, we're not there in the interview. We don't know, uh, you know, how they come across in that. We don't know what sort of things the jackets are looking at in terms of their criteria. Uh, now, another coach with NHL experience that has been, and I believe just speculated, I don't know that there's been any confirmation that he was interviewed, but I know in our own uh, internal uh, chat that some of uh, the staff, including you, were maybe thinking that this guy had a shot. Patrick Waugh. It's an interesting that, name, yeah. right? And I believe that there has been confirmation that the club has at least talked to wall. Okay. There's, there's question marks as to whether or not it was a formal interview. Okay. Um, so there is confirmation that they have talked and I think wall is, is interesting for a number of reasons. You've got the big name, you've got the recognition that comes with that. You've got the Elvis acts aspect of it. Sure. Um, the one thing that makes me think that they wouldn't hire wall is, what kind of happened in Colorado with him that he wanted 
he wanted more control over the roster. Um, I believe he wanted a he wanted a front office title. Um, he wanted to be more in charge over the direction of the club, um, more so than just the head coaches. Um, and I believe that there was some tension there between him and the front office in Colorado. And it makes you wonder what would it take for a front office to, to hire him as a head coach again with that, with that kind of background, with that kind of, you know, potential, you know, red flags, especially someone like Yarmo um, and JD who, you know, see my guys who want to, you know, be in, being the ones that are in control. You know, not saying that's a negative thing at all. Um, but I would personally like Waugh over somebody like Mueller or Green. Um, you know, he's 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 about to to compete for the the Memorial Cup. Um, so there's some success there at the junior level. He has the NHL head coaching experience. Um, he's a guy that is shows a lot of emotion. Um, yeah. So you know, you like that. I personally like that. Um, I liked having Torts on the bench more than Todd Richards, <laughs> just because yeah. it added to the entertainment value. Um, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So he definitely, yeah, would be the contrasting personality from Larson. So if you're going back to that kind of colorful coach and a demanding head coach, um, yeah, his departure in Colorado is a red flag. Uh, the other thing to consider there is by the time he was in Colorado, Chris McFarland had also moved over there, who was a longtime Blue Jackets staffer. Um, and he worked under all of the regimes, but he did spend a couple years there under Yarmo and JD. And then he left for the Colorado job for a higher position. So I would have to think that when considering Waugh, that Yarmo would not do so without talking to Chris McFarland, who now is, is the GM in Colorado, and finding out, okay, what went down and what was it like to work with him? Is he someone that we could work with, et cetera? Um, you know, I wonder if, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if McFarland had bad feelings <laughs> about how that went down because, you know, he didn't just leave the job. He quit, you know, mere weeks before training camp started, which really put them in a bad situation. Um, now they got Jared Bednar out of it, who seems to be a clear upgrade for them. Um, but still, that's not a position any team wants to be in. And that certainly leaves a bad impression. Uh, I will say I was just looking up because my recollection of him as an NHL coach is that Colorado was good under him. Um, but what happened is they were good in his first season in the uh, 2014 season. They won 52 games. They had 112 points, uh, won their division, but they lost in the first round. And then in his next two seasons before quitting, they missed the playoffs both times. They finished last in the division, sixth in the division, uh, 90 points, 82 points. So things were declining rapidly from that initial season. So that is another sort of concerning thing. Like, what would he have learned? What would he do differently now? to maybe have the initial success, but then how do you avoid that downslide again? Um, the, positive, the positive note in his favor here is that he uh, has been very successful as the GM and coach of the Quebec Ramparts. Uh, Blue Jackets prospect James Malatesta plays for that team and has been playing very well for them. They won the Q this year. They're in the Memorial Cup now. Malatesta had a hat trick in the first Memorial Cup game. So that's uh, a feather in the cap for Wab, but um, 
the circumstances of his NHL experience uh, as a coach are still a bit concerning to me. Yeah, and, and you, I think you do have to take into consideration the fact that it's been a number of years since he's been in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and to an extent, even though Moeller has been in the game, yeah. um, but not at the head coaching level, I mean, you can't discount the fact that the league has changed significantly in the past six or seven years. Um, and I think that you have to take that into consideration in these interviews is how are you going to adapt to how the game is different since the last time you were a head coach, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Green has a little bit more recent head coaching experience. Um, it's why it's why we've liked a guy uh, like Andrew Brunette. Yeah. Um, he's a recent coach. He's on a recent a staff that that was recently in the playoffs. Um, has a lot of experience coaching young talent. Yeah. Um, and to me, those are the things that that you really want in the next head coach of this team. Yeah, agreed. And I do think it is worth noting that there's been a lot of speculation over the last couple of days um, that New York is the likely landing place for Laviolette. Um, so. You know, like you mentioned earlier, if that is the case, then um, that could be what the Jackets have been waiting on, or maybe they're starting to get mm. that feeling. Um, and so maybe they're having to to kind of switch gears and maybe go for, for a second option. Sure, and it could be a case, too, where that is a, a domino that falls, and that once one piece is off the board, then the other teams start scrambling then to fill their spots because they don't want to get left out of the game of musical chairs either you know mm-hmm. uh the coaches that they want being off the board so they need to rush and grab them so uh yeah i could see a wave of hirings then happening all in the same week or so all right we'll take a quick break and when we come back we'll talk about the world championships and the nhl playoffs we're back uh the world championships wrapped up team canada won yet another gold medal beating germany uh in the final match there and in the bronze medal match, a surprise upset, Latvia earned a medal over the U.S. So congrats to Latvia. This was the best international performance they've had. Um, and with part of the tournament happening in Riga, that's really exciting for them. But the thing that we are most interested in, of course, is the performance of a couple of draft prospects that were in the tournament. Uh, first, uh, Adam Fantilli. Um, you know, the likely or probable number two pick, but you never know. Um, there was some question as to whether he maybe could fall a little bit depending on his performance, but, uh, in 10 games, he had one goal, two assists was a plus three playing 12 and a half minutes a night. Uh, just looking at Fantilli's game, do you think this changes his stock at all? Or do you think that he is still the clear number two? I don't think so. I think he's. I don't think he's a clear number two. Um, I think Carlson um, is might be catching up to him a little bit. Um, but eighteen years old, playing in the World Championship against pros um, across the world, not only NHL pros, but you know people who are in professional leagues across Europe as well. Um, you don't expect these guys to come out and light it up. Um, you know Fantilli. You know, it took a little bit of time, you know, kind of adjusting at the beginning. Um, but you like his game. He got ejected from one game from a high hit, which looking at the replay was probably a soft call. Um, 
you know, it didn't look like he left his feet. Um, and it looked like the, the main part of contact wasn't the head. Mm-hmm. Um, but you like the aggressiveness, right? Especially if it yeah. really wasn't a dirty hit. Um, you like the aggressiveness. He plays hard. Um, you know, he's on a team that won the gold medal. Um, you know, he's still the number two favorite. Um, and, you know, as Blue Jackets fans, you're you're kind of saying only three points. <laughs> no, maybe you shouldn't should consider somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, though, that considering that it is his first time really playing against adults, you know, that you expect a little bit of a learning curve there. And it seems like he did get better as the tournament went along. I think it was the semifinal match where he had um, the go ahead goal or something like that. So. If he got better as it went on, that is a good sign that he is a quick learner mm-hmm. and that will adjust this fall to, you know, coming right into the NHL. So, uh, yeah, I wouldn't be necessarily worried about that. And um, I'm guessing that Anaheim probably isn't dissuaded if their plan is to go with him all along. But uh, we'll see there. Now, the player that we're more interested in, of course, Leo Carlson, who has been already playing, uh, you know, with men in the Swedish league there. And uh, but has been playing wing as a pro. But for this tournament, he did move to the center um, and was playing 15 and a half minutes a game. So playing, you know, decent minutes. Uh, He had five points in eight games, three goals, two assists, had a plus five rating um, playing center there. So uh, and he had what's this uh, just 12 shots on goal. So I think he was more of a uh, an assist type guy there. But uh how do you feel about Leo Carlson after this tournament? Do you how, do you think his stock was affected by this? I had a chance to watch him. I watched a, a couple of the early Sweden games. I didn't catch any of the the latter games. Um, I really like his game. He you can tell he's a smart player. Um, his focus on being a two way player is evident. Mm-hmm. Um, he has a great eye for the puck. I mean, he made some great passes, including some great passes that led to goals um i think if you are the blue jackets and if the reports are true that they really like will smith you wanted to see carlson step up and have a good tournament yeah and he did so you know we've talked about this before but if if the blue jackets whoever the blue jackets end up taking whether it's smith or carlson it's going to be an informed decision yeah it's going to be one um, that was thought through, um, and I think that fans should have should have confidence in Yarmo in that. Sure. His recent draft history is very strong, so we don't have any really reason to doubt um, to doubt him. But it would not surprise me if they were leaning Smith and Carlson's performance in the Worlds may have, um, you know, been the final the final say if Carlson ends up being the one that's that's drafted. Yeah, and, and I think a lot of the Smith talk was just from the fact that he had such a good performance at the U18 World Championships, and that was something that you know the Jacket scouts had seen most recently, and so obviously they'd feel good about him because that was most recent in the mind. But now Carlson has the more recent data point, and at a bigger tournament, you know, this is several steps bigger than the U18. So the fact that he was able to do what he did while playing you know, against adult players and playing like with NHLers because Sweden is, you know, one of the more stacked rosters in this tournament every year with guys with NHL experience. So, um, and yeah, to 
to hear you say that he's playing a good two-way game, that's really uh, encouraging to me because you know that they want a guy that is defensively responsible, and you don't often see that with the 18-year-olds. That's something they have to learn how to do. But if he's already made strides in that area, um, that's huge. And I think that also speaks to, oh, this is a guy that could have a more immediate impact, perhaps. Um, and yeah, I don't know how you, I don't know how you watch that performance at Worlds and think that he's not playing in the NHL next year. I mean, yeah. five points in eight games, um, centering the top line. Yeah, I don't think he jumps in and plays center right away in the NHL. Um, but I don't know how you look at the performance and think that he's not playing in the NHL next year. Yeah, and if he's a guy too that is a good setup guy, and when you look at the shooters we've got with. Line A, Marchenko, Chinikov, like being able to put him with at least one of those guys, that could be really exciting. Even if it's starting out in a sheltered sort of third line situation, but that's the third line that could have, you know, Chinikov and Bemstrom on it. You know, like you can make stuff happen with, with those kind of players. So, um, and you talked about being big and physical and intimidating and all that. Um, We've gotten a reminder recently that that is a huge thing to have in the NHL in the form of Matthew Kachuk and the run that he is having with the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers have won the Eastern Conference. They swept the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, three of the games went to overtime. So Rod Brendan Moore got some heat for saying that he didn't feel like it was a sweep. But, you know, one of the games was four overtime. So that's technically like two games. So let's call it a five game sweep if you want to. But, uh, Carolina did play too well in that series, I think, for it to be thought of like a sweep, but they they got swept. They didn't win a game. Florida, I mean, Bob, I'm one of those Jackets fans that's a little bitter about Bob being good now. I still don't know that his run now justifies the big contract because he's been really bad for most of the run and could still be bad again, and he never played this well for the Jackets in the playoffs, which is frustrating. But So I'm setting that aside, though. No, I don't, I don't. No, 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 no. I don't want you to set that aside. I think this is, I think this is important. Let's talk about this real quick. Okay. There have been a lot of Blue Jackets that have been retconning what happened with Sergei, Sergei Bobrovsky because of this playoff run. And so let's set the record straight as to what happened, right? Right. Sergei Bobrovsky was not going to sign a contract with the Blue Jackets. Right. Right. The front office did not offer him a contract. Right. It was decided that they were not going to pay him $10 million a year. So this was a mutual parting. The Blue Jackets did not lose Sergei Bobrovsky. They did not want to sign him at $10 million a year. And let's also not forget that Bob has not been very good. He's okay. He's not been $10 million good over the past three seasons. Right. Right. So you can't come in and retcon what happened and you can't say, oh, we missed out on Bob because if we had been paying Bob $10 million a year for the past three years, this team would have looked a lot different. There's, you know, a possibility that Johnny Gaudreau doesn't get signed. Mm-hmm. You know, there's other moves that have to happen or don't happen because of that. So it's not as easy as coming out and saying that we well, we missed out on Bob and we should have signed Bob because that's not the way that these things work. Sorry, my rant is over. Yeah, no, that, <laughs> that's, that's all. That's all fair. And the fact that you know we knew that we had Corpus Allo, we knew that we had Merzlikens coming over, and those guys had their moments of success in these seasons after this as well. And at a much cheaper price point, we were paying a lot less for our goaltending overall than Florida has been. 
which has allowed us to spend it in other ways. Were all those ways sensible? Maybe not, but that's a separate issue. Um, so yeah, I, I think it was the right call to not pay him that much. Um, and still, no $10 million goalie has won a Stanley Cup while making that amount. Vasilevsky won his last cup while the deal was signed, but before it kicked in. Now, he made the cup final last year as a $10 million goalie, but didn't win it. And so Bob would be the first one to, you know, Carey Price didn't do that. Uh, and he, you know, it's possible he still runs out of steam or runs into trouble against a either Vegas or Dallas team that is a much better offensive opponent than some of the other teams, you know, a Boston team that was injured, a Carolina team that had injuries, especially among their snipers at forward. Um, now Bob did play well against Toronto who has obviously some great skilled players, but you know, those skilled players didn't play their best series there against Florida. So yeah, I, I still don't fully trust Bob at this point. Um, but yeah, I don't blame the fans for being salty about him doing well because it's like, uh, why couldn't he have been this version of Bob more often for, uh, for Columbus, which was too bad. Um, now, what do you feel about the Western Conference? Uh, I believe so. We're recording on Monday afternoon, so game six hasn't happened yet between Vegas and Dallas. I thought Vegas was maybe going on path to get this one done early, but Dallas has come back um, despite losing Jamie Benn, maybe because they didn't have Jamie Benn in the lineup. I don't know. Um, that I've is never, interesting. I've never been a Jamie Benn fan. I thought it was an awful hit. I thought he deserved that suspension. But I'm curious to see what will happen when uh, he is back in the lineup there. Um, just do you think Florida has a chance against either of these teams in the cup final? I do think so, yeah. I I mean, I think obviously the odds that Vegas pulls that series out are high. Mm-hmm. Um, I was surprised that Vegas went up so quickly in that series because I thought it was going to be close. Um, and it kind of has, has ended up being closer. You know, Dallas has win, managed to win the last couple of games. Um, I think I like Vegas's chances against um, Florida better than, than Dallas's. Okay. Um, just because the, you know, uh, the Jack Eichel effect, I think, um, probably gives them a better chance. Um, Dallas has just been so up and down. Yeah. Um, you know, Jake Ottinger, right? Yeah. Um, he's been up and down, hasn't been consistent. Um, Jason Robertson hasn't been consistent. Um, so there's some inconsistency efforts there. Yeah. Um, and one thing that's been consistent on the Florida side has been uh, Matthew Kuchuk and yeah. Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, but as always, these things just rely so much on how your goalies play, um, especially when it comes down to these tight games. Um, with a lot of talent on on either side, um, I would say my opinion on it is I would say Florida is the favorite though right now. Okay. No matter who comes out on the western side. Well, and there is some stat about the teams that play the fewer games over the first three rounds tend to have an advantage in the final, and so Florida is certainly set up very nicely for that with a four game series, a five game series. Um, Whereas the longer this one in the West goes on, the more advantage they have. Now I do worry about the rust versus rest thing. If they're sitting for, you know, a week without playing, does it, especially for Bob? Yeah. 
Um, and it could especially matter in game one where, you know, getting out to a quick start in the series is so important. So mm-hmm. uh, it's interesting, but I, I think it's been a, uh, it's been a very compelling story in this postseason. And I, they're a team that made me mad in the regular season because I knew that they shouldn't have been as bad as they were in terms of just their record was really poor and they kind of limped into the playoffs. But based on what we saw from them the year before, this is definitely something that, that this roster had within them, you know, even before they got Matthew Kachuk, but certainly adding Kachuk, this roster should have been this good all year. I don't know why they weren't this good all year, but they have certainly risen to the occasion when the circumstance called for it. All right. Well, that will do it for us today. Thank you for listening. Thank you to our paid subscriber of the week, Saul Overnow. We always appreciate talking hockey with him. So uh, next time we talk, hopefully we'll have a head coach. We'll see. Catch you next time. For more content from the Canon, check out JacketsCanon.com or follow us on Twitter at CBJCanon. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Howlin' Moons. Angela's new album, Turn Me Loose, is out now. Go to AngelaPurley.com for more music and show dates.